0: Hey everyone, welcome to a special summer bonus episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast, where I interview the coffee professionals of the West Coast and try to help get us all a little coffee smarter in the process. Today's guest is Joe Bettinger. He was on the show with the team from Mireya Coffee in Season 1, but I wanted to talk to him again about his other career as a coffee broker with Cape Horn Coffee Incorporated. Cape Horn Coffee, you may have noticed has generously supported this show, and I'm excited to talk to Joe about what he does as an importer and a salesman of good coffee. He essentially is choosing coffee to bring into the United States and representing the farmers at origin. This is a summer episode, however, and for the first time in a very long time, I'm recording a show outside the confines of my closet studio. I'm in Wisconsin visiting my parents for the first time since the pandemic, and I have to admit, my coffees have tasted just a little bit sweeter because of it. In a bit of a coincidence, Joe is also here in Wisconsin this week, so we had a lot to chat about, including humidity, housing costs, and of course, coffee. If you want to multitask while listening to the show today, go follow at roastwestcoast on Instagram, or give the newsletter a follow at roastwestcoast.com. The social feeds have been sluggish this summer, But I'll be locking in as we get closer to Season 3 of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast coming this fall. Right now, I hope your coffee mug is full, because it is time for a bonus Roast West Coast Coffee interview with Joe Bettinger, coffee broker at Cape Horn Coffee Incorporated. there it is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? With that, I'm going to say, Mr. Badger, welcome back to the roast West coast. Coffee Thank you. Podcast. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you were on the show already season one. You were, you're a coffee guy. You're roasting and creating coffee for Maria coffee, but you also work with Cape Horn coffee brokers, Cape Horn coffee incorporated. And I wanted to learn more about that from you today. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, starting with what is a green coffee broker or coffee importer, and how do you fit into that chain between that coffee plant in the ground and the cup of coffee I'm having in the morning?
1: Yeah, definitely. So a green coffee, we're green coffee importers. So we actually make the connection to the producers, the farmers at origin. And we, in order to to get the coffee, you actually have to have an exporter at origin, and then you also need an importer. So we have, and some people do both. Some people, some of the larger multinational guys are exporters and importers. And so basically an importer just bridges the chain. They, we are the ones that bring the coffee from origin, get it on the boat or however it might be coming in. And really it's it's kind of knowing that logistical and taking the risk financially it's because, you know, a lot of, you know, roasters are like, oh, okay, you know, we can do this. And then they find out, oh, well, there's a little more to it than I thought. Customs doing, there's just a lot of pieces to the puzzle. And so that's what an importer does. They bring the coffee in. You you have to have funding for that. You know, you're talking about a container, which is, let's take Brazil, a, a 320 bags at 132 pounds. So that's... Forty-two thousand pounds of coffee at several dollars. So you have you have to be capitalized and be able to put that money out there because when you buy the coffee from origin, you pay once it gets loaded. You know, once it leaves, there's no you know, or you or sometimes sooner depending on what type of arrangement you have. So you have to finance that for the thirty or sixty days that it's on the water, and then it arrives. It comes in the warehouse, and then it's also all the logistics getting it. From the warehouse to the coffee roaster, which has been an absolute nightmare this last this year so far. What they call LTL less than truckload, which are putting the coffee bags on the pallets. That's how most roasters receive the coffee. That's just been that whole world's been turned upside down for so many reasons. There's a shortage of drivers, gas, warehousing all these factors from COVID and just not moving around and now everything's moving again. It's just, it's just been very, very difficult. And now at origin, what we're facing is there's a shortage of containers and getting the coffee out is backed up, bringing it in their ships, sitting out, waiting to come in. So the whole supply chain is, is just right now turned on its end. And so we'll, you know, you just got to be patient and work through it and, you know, that's really all you can do because so much of this stuff is out of our control. I can't control so many of these things from Origin and other companies. And um, so it's it's unfortunate, but we just, we just
0: have to work through it. You said something a few minutes ago that just, I don't know why I didn't think about this, but you said uh, you have to sit and wait for 30 to 60 days while the coffee's on the water. And I think I'm so used to the idea of Amazon Prime that I just was like, oh, well, we place the order and then it's there in a couple of days, you know, or next day. And that's just not the reality. It's just kind of this waiting period where you don't, it's, you know, it's left a port somewhere, but it still hasn't gotten to you, but you're on the hook for it.
1: Exactly, and you don't know, you know, the insurance you have to have, and the the outlay of cash and capital is pretty extensive when you're when you're moving a lot of coffee. So that is that is a big factor of it, and knowing, being able to take the risk from knowing your suppliers at origin and that whole whole deal. If you're dealing with people you haven't dealt with before, um, that's why the whole part of the process we get. what's called a pre-shipment sample. So they will actually send a small sample that we cup and we try, and then they ship the coffee and then the coffee arrives and we have to match that pre-shipment to what actually arrives. Because a lot of times (laughs) what you got for the pre-shipment isn't exactly what you receive. So that's another factor of risk that's layered on as like if you're a roaster looking, oh, well, I'll, I'll import this, you know, I'll bring this in. And it's like, well, what are you? What are you going to do? What do you uh, have in place in case that happens? So, it's 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 kind of a world where where you have to have those relationships and you build those over time.
0: Yeah, it sounds like you. There has to be a little bit of faith between the two of you.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and and that's where it really comes into the way I view it is the guys at Origin and the producers and farmers there there are partners in this business in this supply chain. So I value them, you know, I look at them as my business partner and I'm I'm almost like their importer. I sell their coffee, you know, we we're we're in business. So I want them to make money, I want them to be profitable. I don't want to like beat them up for a price because they need to make a living, they need to be sustainable and be able to have their employees and continue to produce or like what you might see is the market's up now, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, at some point, these guys will stop producing coffee because they're losing money and they can't sustain. So it's the whole, it's the whole wheel. You know, you have to, everyone along the supply chain needs to be able to survive or else then you're going to have guys doing other stuff and there will be less coffee supply and then the price will really go up. So there's there's that big factor of having these relationships and traveling down there and, getting to know these guys and partnering with them. And that's the part, that's my favorite part, really, is going to Origin, being down there, being with these guys, because they're awesome. They're great people. It's, it's just such a cool experience. And that's something, you know, hopefully in the next year, uh, we'll get you down to Origin and take you on a <laughs> trip down there. And, and you'll see the whole process. And, and that's what I encourage all roasters and everyone in the coffee industry, get down there and see everything that's going on and see how hard these everyone works and you know the appreciation that you have not that people don't appreciate it but it's so different when you see uh guys on the side of a mountain you know that's like this and they're going through each tree picking the picking the, the cherries and it's just amazing and all the work that's done and the process and everything that goes into the production of the coffee to get it here is amazing. The, the milling, the processes, and really it's, you know, someone told me a long time ago, farming coffee is, uh, is what, how does it go? Farming coffee is like being married and <laughs> doing other crops is like your girlfriend. So you're committed when you're, when you're putting in the coffee farm, it takes a few years to get those plants going. And it's not like you can just change out like sugar cane or some of the other crops you can change out year to
0: year. It's a, it's a commitment so. You've been with K-porn for a while. K-porn's been doing this since 1995, which feels like 5 years ago, but it's actually 25 years ago. And how long have you been doing this as a broker?
1: Uh I've been uh I would say probably about uh, I believe 7 7 or 8 years now. So Okay. And how did you fall into that? Well, it was it was I was in uh real estate development and finance and marketing for uh, 15 years, uh, started in venture capital, raising money for small companies and did was in a totally different world. And I was just a little, you know, I was a little burned out on that whole world. And, uh, these guys I knew were, had an import company and they're like, Hey, why don't you come, uh, why don't you come work with us? And I'm like, all right, I'll, you know, I mean, I can always go back and do something boring and that I don't like. (laughs) So yeah, I kind of just jumped in. Head first and started cold calling roasters and trying to get customers and learn the business. And so I started like, I didn't know. The only thing I knew is like, I liked coffee and, and I liked, I liked the process of, of having something tangible, growing something business and kind of the whole model. You know, I like to work with people that run their own business. You know, I've been an entrepreneur my whole life. So it just seemed like, yeah, let's, we'll give this a shot. And and see what happens so <laughs> the industry great that's one thing about coffee is is i've just met so many good nice people it's it's a great industry and it's it's fun to work in and you know when you go to the big uh sea and the big trade shows it's it's a lot of fun and you see people and you get to travel and so that was the other thing too i was like well i'll get to go down to origin you know where there's, there's good surf <laughs> all around the world you know all the coffee areas have great surfing so Okay.
0: At Cape Horn, I noticed when I was looking through the website that you you, you get coffee from all over the world, but you kind of focus on Central America and Brazil. Why those two regions in particular? So one of the partners of Cape Horn, uh, Daniel Neves, he is from Brazil
1: and his family, he grew up as a farmer. His family has farms down there. They still do. We import all of his family's coffee. So that's why the Brazil we've been and Back in when Paul Layton started Cape Horn back in 1995, he was the uh, former SCA president and he was a roaster actually. He started as up in Oregon uh, for years and then he was a broker that mainly dealt in Brazilian coffees. So that's how he got connected to Danny and his family. And then, so that's the, the focus and just having all that expertise out of Brazil and farms there which is a little unique for an importer to actually have that direct connection to family farms and things like that, which gives us a different perspective, I think, which I like, Um, you know, really focused on the producer and understanding all of all that goes into that. And then um, uh, Central America as well, just just. Being right there, and we've just had for years so many connections down there. It's easy to get easier, I should say, to get the coffee up there than than other areas, and and you know we do Africa and Asia and things like that. But it's almost like the way coffee and importing used to be is think of it like the globe is, and everything's kind of uh, vertical. So all of America would get their coffee from. Central and South America, Europe would primarily be Africa, and then the Asia would be, you know, Southeast Asia and Australia. So it was kind of zoned like that before the time, you know, when you would have a lot of ocean freight and things like
0: that. So once you get that coffee here, you you've dealt with getting it out of origin. It's on a boat, it lands here. And let's I'm gonna say San Diego, even though I know you're in Wisconsin today. How what's the what happens then? Are you do you already have that coffee pre-sold to coffee roasters? Are you going out and pitching it to roasters? I mean, how does that work? A little a little bit of both. We definitely try to pre-sell
1: as much coffee. That's that's the goal, but we make commitments, and that's part of the relationship with the producer at origin is being able to make commitments to them. That's that's a big deal, you know, being able to say, hey, I'm not only I'm not in this for the short run, I'm gonna be able to commit to you this year, next year, and pay you a price that that you can operate with. And so doing that, we don't always have it all pre-sold. We try to pre-sell as much as possible, but you you always need coffee to get new customers and to to have on what they call the spot, which is spot, it's called spot coffee. That's coffee that's in a warehouse that's already here that has not been sold yet. So you'll have that, but that's the goal, you know, is to get roasters familiar with the various farms we work with and a year in and year out and develop those relationships. So we can make those commitments to people at origin. And then from there, you bring in the coffee and it goes into the warehouse and coffee's a little bit different. Some importers have their own warehouses, but a lot of people share the same coffee warehouse in different locations and it's a it's a separate company that runs the warehouse the best way i can describe it and this will definitely date myself is at the end of indiana jones the first one uh where they store the ark in that warehouse that's kind of what how big the coffee warehouse is. So you essentially have all importers bring their coffees into these warehouses all around the country. And that way that you can trade with other importers and share inventory and sell to other importers. And then you can also, it's easier to palletize and ship coffee out and do it that way.
0: So it's a little bit different, I think, than than a lot of industries. Yeah, there's just so many logistical uh, logistical. I, I don't want to say challenges, it's kind of exciting to think about all the different things that have to get done, but yeah. so many specialties, you know, the, the company that has figured out how to warehouse and put it on a pallet, the company that's figured out how to get it out of the country, the, or has those relationships, you know, or the company on the side that's connecting with the roasters. Uh, you mentioned the coffee price earlier, you've been working this industry for a while now, the coffee price in general is just really basic, is essentially the per pound price that we're paying for coffee uh, at the wholesale level, right? Uh, that's
1: correct. And, and coffee is a commodity, so it's tied to, just like any other commodities, soybeans, metals, things like that, it's tied to the market. And that isn't always relative to the cost of production, um, it's really just people buying futures different things like that so it's not always where
0: it should be technically but it's a, it's a market you know let me interrupt just to clarify it's not straight supply and demand it's you' sometime you have this other, it's supply and demand plus this other kind of overarching concept of which people are predicting what the supply and demand will be and purchasing based on that
1: Yes. And and not only that, you have people, the coffee market will move based on the stock market when people are moving money in and out, or people want to move their money into a commodity. So supply and demand could, it could not change at all. But just because hedge funds are moving their money here, they want to, you know, they think the market's going to drop. So they want to pull. When you see a big sell off, they'll put it into a commodity because it's thought to be a little more stable sometimes. So there's so many different factors with the economy. We saw back when the last stimulus, when Obama did everything, uh, we saw the coffee market move because of that. So there's so many. It's it's crazy how many different factors that go into deciding like how that how that moves. Now, recently in the last week, a lot of it was from the the coffee freeze in Brazil. That kind of notched the market up. So. But this is the biggest increase that I've seen since I've been in, in this short of amount of time. I mean, it's it's up, it's up fifty cents a pound, which when you're talking about roasted coffee, that doesn't seem like that much. But in the wholesale and green coffee world, that's that's a lot. But as it, as it relates to specialty coffee, which is a lot of the stuff that guys you've been interviewing, it won't make as big a difference just because a lot of the coffee that's sold in the specialty is sold. On a flat price because it's it's higher quality and it's it's not more commercial quality. Um, but you will see you will definitely see incri- increases in the specialty coffee costs.
0: As somebody who has relationships uh, with through your company and because of your visits to origin to farms and the people that are creating this product, and relationships here with the roasters how do you, do you feel the coffee price is a fair representation of what it should be? And the second part of that question, and maybe it should be the first, is when you met, you mentioned the stimulus uh, under Obama, how, how does today's news, how long does it take to reflect in that coffee price? You know, what's happening in the economy today? Oh, it's, it's
1: like the stock market. It's pretty instantaneous. It'll, it'll, you know, hours, it will, it will trigger, and people will. And I, I don't know exactly how all of it's traded, but I think it's similar. Like a lot, there's some computer stuff going on, or some algorithms. So sometimes when something gets triggered, it just keeps it just keeps it rolling until someone puts the brakes on a little bit. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty instantaneously, just like the stock market. I would say, you know, reflecting on even things that haven't happened yet, possibly um, you could see changes that way. But that's why you know what we do with a lot of the roasters is we try to actually book out their coffee and we try to say, hey, let's let's go ahead and figure out what you're going to need for the year and let's lock that
0: in so you're you, you know you're not susceptible to changes in the market. I am assuming you've done quite a bit of traveling, which we've kind of referenced, but. Are there any adventures that you've had that would be, you know, worth telling, or is it all business hotels and happy hours? Oh yeah, no, no. It's uh all of them. I mean, you're
1: climbing mountains, you're in the you're in the back. I mean, I I probably shouldn't say this, but like, you know, I was like I drove from in Nicaragua from uh the very north to Hinotega, about two two hours in the back of a truck, you know, holding on, uh, standing up and just crazy yeah all all kinds of crazy stuff but it's just so cool cuz you're out there you're literally in the in the middle of nowhere i mean you're 8 hours away from a city when you get out there on some of these farms and um you know the roads are you have to have a four wheel drive and and there it's just you're on but when you get out there you're on top of a mountain and it's it's so beautiful there. And and um so yeah, a lot of lot of great stories like that. And when you get to go there and travel and see how beautiful these these places and areas are, and you know, you, you work with some of the guys at Origin and they're like, Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna build you a house on top of this mountain so you can come <laughs> visit me. And you're like, Oh cool, man, you know, right on. So you really do develop those friendships and relationships the people and that's what you know that's that's really what drives you and and you know you know I would do that part of it and just buy the coffee but there's a whole nother side of it right like you know it's easy to it's easy to buy coffee but someone has to represent those guys and get their coffee out and and sell the coffee here and keep that whole you know keep that whole wheel going year to year so that's that's the exciting part too because being able to introduce to roasters some of these these farms and people and coffees um you know like one in particular is uh one of my guys in guatemala makes a orange peel process i think i might have sent you a sample but it's actually orange peel fermentation and it just they're just doing so many i mean i feel like coffee's been around for so long but there's so many things in its infancy, what these guys are doing and and experimentation and different things like that with all the processes. And they can't do too much because you don't want to risk. It could turn out bad when you're doing these fermentations. So they have to be real careful with
0: that, but uh, they are doing a lot of real interesting stuff. So it's exciting. You're on that front line to see that innovation before the rest of us. So I envy you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. (laughs) I want to Thank you for being here, for one. And I'm looking forward to our next chat and a cup of coffee in real life. I want to know, is there anything about Cape Horn Coffee in particular as a broker and as a company that you want people to know about? I feel like I just, even though I I love coffee and I've been interviewing all these coffee roasters, you're like the only broker that I know uh, and that I've talked to. So is there anything that just general knowledge people should know about the brokerage?
1: Um, I would say we're, you know, it's the the other partner uh, is Mark Williams, and he was the he ran the coffee book for the coffee. There's a, a coffee bank, Brown Brothers Foreman, up in in on the East Coast. I it's either in Boston or New York. I can't remember, but he ran the coffee book for them. So he's a Cape Horn uh, CFO and president, I believe. So it's just a very well balanced. So you have a financier, a banker, you have a farmer. It's it's a very good combination, I would say. We're not a we're not a huge multinational corporation. We're a like a lot of the roasters I deal with in in the importer world. We're a small company. Um, you know, we have I think uh, six employees, but we do a lot of those guys do a lot of containers and a lot of volume. And but we know what it's like, and we work with our guys. You know, we know what it's like to be a small business to, you know, we do a lot of stuff with terms and and working with guys. So that we're we're definitely different than your than your bigger companies like that. Cause we understand what it is to be a small business and a small roaster, small to medium size. We're just we're just trying to, to help those guys out and, and help their businesses out and, and bring them the the
0: best coffee we can find. Well I think that's a really really unique thing. And for anyone who's listening, I'll, I'll start, I'll add links to some of the coffee roasters around town that you can find coffee that came through Cape Horn Coffee Roasters. Uh, Joe, I really appreciate you being here. Uh, congratulations. I know that you had a, a big move uh, recently and and I'm excited to see what happens next for you.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I will be, uh, I'll be back on the West Coast a lot. I've got a <laughs> lot, of, lot of clients out there. So um, yeah, we'll have a we'll have a cup of coffee next time I come into town. Sounds good. Maybe a little whiskey and a coffee too later on. Yeah, there. <laughs> there <you go>. <laughs> <laughs> sounds great.
0: Hey everybody, thank you for listening to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. It is summertime, but I am already brainstorming ideas for season three. If you've been enjoying this program, please consider leaving a tip or choose the paid monthly newsletter subscription when you sign up at roastwestcoast.com. Your support really helps grow this show and allows us to continue bringing you this coffee content. Subscribe on roastwestcoast.com or on the Anchor Podcast homepage. Every time I see a new subscriber, it's just a little bit more motivation to bring you the very best coffee content on the West Coast. And now, back to the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast. A big thank you to Joe for taking some time out of his summer to hang out and talk coffee with me. He's always hooked me up with some great coffee samples from Cape Horn Coffee Incorporated and from Maria Coffee, which I never take for granted. That is the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast for today. Thank you for listening. Season 3 will be out this fall, and if you've got coffee questions, please feel free to reach out through roastwestcoast.com or on social media at Roast West Coast. As always, thank you for sharing this show with your friends, and be sure to support the Roast Industry Legacy Partners, including Maria Coffee and Cape Horn Coffee, as well as Coffee Cycle Moster Coffee, Leap Coffee, Zumbar Coffee and Tea, Steady State Roasting, Cafe La Terre, and First Light Whiskey. I actually have quite a bit of First Light Whiskey on the road with me right now. You'll find links to all of the show's Roast Industry Legacy Partners on the front of roastwestcoast.com, or in this episode's show notes, wherever you happen to be listening. This episode of the Roast West Coast Coffee Podcast was written, produced, and recorded by me, Ryan Wolt. Thanks for bearing with me as I am out of the studio. I hope this show has found you happy, healthy, and with at least enough sanity to make it through the day. And please, always be sure to drink good coffee.